Hello, my rebels. A very special show tonight. It's on the events in Washington, D.C. Started off as a protest, turned into a bit of a mob, an anarchic mob. I'd even call it a bit of a riot. I'll talk about it, give you my own thoughts, and then we'll talk to Joel Pollack. Before I do, let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. You get the video version of this podcast, which I think is very interesting on a day like today. We'll show you people actually breaking into Capitol Hill. It's shocking footage. Just go to rebelnews.com and click subscribe. It's eight bucks a month or 80 bucks for the whole year. Until uh, then, here, dig in. Here's the podcast. Tonight, protests in Washington, D.C. turn violent. It's January 6th, and this is The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon Why? consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. Twenty-four hours is an enormous amount of time in politics, isn't it? I had planned to do a monologue about the political setback in the state of Georgia last night. Just to recap, uh, Georgia had two special Senate elections last night because they have a rule that you have to get 50 percent of the vote or more in a general election or they go to a runoff between the top two. So there were two seats up for grabs. The Democrats won both of them with less than a percentage margin, giving control of the Senate to the Democrats. So now the House of Representatives, the presidency, and the Senate are in the hands of the Democrats, all three of them. That gives no checks and balances. And now the radicals like the squad, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ilhan Omar, and the rest, can do the radical things they've been talking about, including making permanent irrevocable changes like packing the court, a phrase meant adding so many more judges to the Supreme Court that you can instantly flip it hard left wing, or a massive immigration amnesty for illegals, for example, things that could never be come back from politically. That's what I was going to talk about. I was going to talk a little bit about the two terrible senators who were just elected, John Ossoff and Rafael Warnock, but events overtook it, see, and, and that's why I'm sort of riffing from a notepad, because things have happened literally up to the minute. Today, there were massive protests in Washington, D.C. In fact, we sent our own Kean Bexley down there to cover the protests, stop the steel protests. And while there were, according to Kean, hundreds of thousands of peaceful protesters, there were a handful that went beyond mere protests. Now, let me give you a flavor for things. Here's a clip of Kean talking to some of the people he met on the street. Take a listen. Do you think that Georgia was stolen in the same way as the presidency? Absolutely. What, what do you think happened? What, how, how could this have happened for a second time? Because they're using the same voting machines. They're using the same voting machines. But they've been trapped. We got them. I want to know what you hope Trump says today. Oh, I think he's going to present devastating evidence of this massive election fraud. End of subject. It's over. What do you think happened in Georgia last night? Ah, total fraud. They flipped all the votes in Dominion machines. How could this have happened for a second time? Uh, Who's watching? 
I'm hoping that Trump says that he won and that we're not allowing this illegal steal of the election and this communist coup for this country. How do you feel about Georgia? What, what, what happened? Uh, I don't know, but I knew ahead of time. That I haven't stayed up to date on those news, but I knew that they were going to cheat like they did before. And I can guarantee you that President Trump monitored them while they did it. Great. I guess the thing is, is it's not so much what Trump says as what happens. Hey, man, and brother. we yeah, hope exactly. that the results of this election are fair and are accurate. And if they are fair and accurate, Trump will undoubtedly be the winner. We just have to count on our, our senators and our congressmen and women to stand up and do the right thing. Which I'm not sure they will, but I'm hoping and praying they do. As for the schedule, those are strong political views and you can agree with them or not, but every one of those views was peaceful. There were peaceful speeches and chants. People were upset by what they thought was an unfair and unfree election. And I have to agree, there were so many oddities, uh, unfair and unfree, but according to the courts, it was still a legal election in part because the courts had changed the way voting happened. Using the pandemic as an excuse, mail-in votes were allowed. I think that's what did it. That was the great outcome of the pandemic panic. But if you had hundreds of thousands of people around Capitol Hill, some number of them scaled Capitol Hill itself, and then a smaller number actually broke into the Capitol building itself. Here, take a look at that. Shocking footage. I have some questions because I'm a natural skeptic. It's been 20 years since 9-11. Billions of dollars have been spent hardening Capitol Hill, hardening the Pentagon, the White House. Billions have been spent. Is it really possible that a couple of dozen protesters armed with maybe sticks and flags could physically break their way into the Capitol building? I don't know. Maybe it was a trap. Maybe they were agents provocateurs. Maybe the capital of the deep state where the uh, Democrat-dominated FBI and the Democrat-dominated Washington, D.C. Metro Police and the Democrat-dominated deep state are headquartered. Maybe they sort of, I don't know, let the protesters in knowing what a PR disaster it would be. That's just speculation on my part. There were some incredible images. People standing right in the hall of the debate. People sitting in Nancy Pelosi's own chair. Is that really possible for an unarmed ragamuffin to achieve? And of course, uh, these protests were known for days or weeks in advance. I'm scratching my head. There's other things that seemed odd to me. I've been watching conservative protests for years. I've never in my life seen conservatives smash a window or paint graffiti. I saw that today. I don't know, maybe that's the conspiratorial side of me. I have no uh, proof of anything. I'm just asking questions because it seems odd to have violence on the right. But alas, there was violence in Trump's name. They certainly made a point of wearing red Trump hats and carrying Trump flags. Um, I didn't like it. Uh, for years, I've railed against political violence. Violence or the threat of violence for a political goal, we have a name for that. Terrorism. And even if we are sympathetic to Donald Trump, which we are, especially if we are sympathetic to Donald Trump, we have to rule out violence. That's one of the differences between being a supporter of the Republicans or a supporter 
of the Democrats. A lot of people were online saying that the left has taught the right this lesson. I mean, going back a decade, it was the Democrats that physically occupied and intimidated legislators in Wisconsin when they broke the back of the Democrat-supported unions back then. Over the years, we've seen people storm into Congress and the Justice Kavanaugh confirmation hearings. Steve Scalise, a high-ranking Republican, was actually shot at a baseball game. Senator Rand Paul was attacked and beaten so badly his ribs were broken. He almost died. And, of course, a summer of riots, which CNN called mostly peaceful. How can you forget those? Violence all year long, not condemned by the media, certainly not condemned by the Democrats. In fact, need I remind you that the Democrats posted the bail for anyone who was captured by police in this summer's riots. Donald Trump put up this tweet saying he was going to list Antifa as a terrorist group. Alas, he just didn't do it. Antifa is not a terrorist group. And in two weeks, Donald Trump will no longer be president. So what comes next? Well, the media will feast on this. Like I say, you can have hundreds of thousands of peaceful protesters, but the day will be colored by that handful of violent terrorists, I'll use the word, whether or not they're actually Donald Trump supporters or provocateurs on the left will not be known until this narrative is fully cemented. And the Democrats are tougher than Republicans. That's the one thing that made Trump different. He fought hard. He was a fighter by nature. And he fought till the very end. You know Democrats would have done the same. They did when Al Gore tried to win the election 20 years ago. Donald Trump is unusual in that he fights hard, unlike so many in the GOP establishment. So now that you have total control of the American system in the hands of the Democrats, now that you have the presidency, the Senate, and the House of Representatives, and the ability and the ambition to pack the courts, I fear for the worst. More than one Democrat uh, strategist uses the phrase, never let a, a uh, crisis go to waste. And I think they're going to do that. I think you're going to see a deep vengeance on the left. I think you're going to see an assault against conservative groups, conservative speech, conservative activism like you've never seen before using the excuse of domestic terrorism. I think you'll see the media who has never cared about political violence suddenly become obsessed with it. I think you'll see censorship on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook go to new heights. Not just in a revenge to undo the Trump years, but to silence the right and to perpetuate the left. I think you're going to see a crackdown on freedom and in America on the First Amendment and Second Amendment like we have never seen before. All in all, a terrible day for America and a terrible day for conservatives. What do you think? Joining me next is Joel Pollack, senior editor-at-large at Breitbart.com. I'll ask him what he thinks. That's next. I know your pain. I know you're hurt. We had an election that was stolen from us. It was a landslide election, and everyone knows it, especially the other side. But you have to go home now. We have to have peace. We have to have law and order. We have to respect our great people in law and order. 
We don't want anybody hurt. It's a very tough period of time. There's never been a time like this where such a thing happened, where they could take it away from all of us, from me, from you, from our country. This was a fraudulent election. But we can't play into the hands of these people. We have to have peace. So go home. We love you. You're very special. You've seen what happens. You see the way others are treated that are so bad and so evil. I know how you feel. But go home and go home in peace. Well, that was U.S. President Donald Trump making a one-minute video message. Uh, I don't know what you can call it in Washington today. Uh, the vast majority of people were protesters. I'd call them peaceful protesters. And a certain number, I'd say maybe it was in the low hundreds, uh, scaled the Capitol building. And then another number, let's say it's in the dozens, broke in. Um, I, I think there's a spectrum of misconduct. I, I think some of them would rightfully be called rioters, whether or not they are actually Trump supporters or agents provocateurs, I do not know. Uh, some of them had masks on, some did not. I find the whole thing very disconcerting. Joining us now via Skype is our friend Joel Pollack, senior editor-at-large at Breitbart.com. Joel, I'm talking to you uh, while things are still going on. This interview will not air for a couple more hours, so the situation is very fluid. Give me your thoughts on it so far. Well, it's completely unacceptable, and it's been my position that the president should never have called this protest, should never have backed the effort to stop the certification of the Electoral College vote. I supported the president fighting during the period before the Electoral College voted. That's the appropriate time to raise legal challenges and call for recounts, and I thought he was fully within his rights to do that. Once the Electoral College cast its ballots, however, that was the end. That was December 14th. And the president needed to concede then. I think he's lost a tremendous amount of moral authority over the last few weeks. I think he lost an opportunity to focus on the issues in the Georgia Senate elections, which Republicans have now lost. They lost both of those Senate seats. They lose control of the Senate. Democrats now take full control of both sides of the Capitol. They will basically have all three branches of government with the ability to appoint judges, maybe even expand the number of judges as they have been talking about doing. And I think that today's events were unnecessary. There was no real discretion that Congress had to stop the electoral vote from being certified. And although I've written an entire book about why I think this election was neither free nor fair, the remedy that is being proposed or that was proposed is also neither free nor fair. And that's one of the reasons I have said that this result, however wrong, should stand. And sometimes it's just like that. Sometimes there are things that happen that are not fair and we have to improve the system. But today was a disaster. And the United States will survive the events of today, obviously. But what's also interesting to me is Joe Biden went on national television and gave an address Apparently, President Trump had already recorded that message by the time Biden called on the president to say something. So once again, Joe Biden, just a little bit late. And the other thing he's late about is denouncing political violence. This is not the first time we've seen political violence or an attack on an American legislature. In 2011, after the Tea Party victories in the midterm elections that year, where they took over several 
state legislatures and governor's mansions, we saw the left and the media get very excited when left-wing protesters stormed the Wisconsin state capitol and occupy it for several weeks. And that's when this all began. The tolerance of political violence by the left and by the media has gone on for a decade. And people like me have been warning over and over again that this tolerance for political violence was going to lead to disaster. And eventually some people on the right got the idea from watching people on the left do it for a decade and especially over the last year, that this is actually an effective way to pursue their political agenda. Why wouldn't they think that? Leftists rioted all over the United States and they won the election. So there are some extremists, completely condemnable, but this is what happens. They got the idea that this is our turn to use violence and they did. And it's completely unacceptable. I think that President Trump needs to be held politically accountable for it because this was a protest he called, he supported, he organized. I think, and I, I've taken the same line with Democrats. When you are behind a protest, it is up to you to make sure that the protest is safe, that it's lawful, that groups that want to cause trouble are excluded from the protest. And that's the standard I've held the left to. It's the standard I've held Democrats to with Black Lives Matter riots. And I'm holding Republicans and the president to the same standard here. This is unacceptable to have a protest that breaches the barricades, attacks Capitol Police, smashes federal property, occupies the Senate chamber, occupies offices. I mean, this is unacceptable. And it's united the country against the president. So it had the opposite effect of the one intended. I mean, you have been talking to me for five years about Donald Trump, and I, I always enjoy our, our, our chats about it. And you know I support the president, and I have supported him, and I've supported his policies. But I do not support him on this. And I think that this is a, a really sad day for the United States. It's, it's one we'll, we'll recover from, but it's one that can only uh, really serve as an opportunity for rebuilding if both sides acknowledge that political violence is unacceptable. We haven't really seen the left understand that yet. And I, I think that, it, you know, for Joe Biden to go on TV and say, this is not how we do things, et cetera, this is how they did things. They did this for the, for the last year. So I don't think he has credibility. I think there are people with credibility who perhaps need to be given more time and attention, some people in Washington. I, I've been particularly proud of Republican Tom Cotton, who went out there with a statement, uh, not just about the violence today, but a few days ago saying that the Constitution really didn't allow Congress to decertify the Electoral College result. And that was brave. And he got a lot of uh, vitriol from some people on social media and so forth. And the president criticized him. But I think that it is time for reasonable people who care about the Constitution, care about the country and care about the world to assert their views in public conversation and not to allow the media to continue to play this game. I mean, yesterday when there were police officers who were dropped from charges, you know, the, the uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin prosecutors decided not to charge police officers in the shooting of Jacob Blake. Remember that? That triggered riots back in August. The media made it into a racial event. It wasn't a racial event. It was an examination of the evidence. The media keeps stoking these kinds of conflicts, and it's time for those of us who see the Constitution for what it is and see it clearly and see that the American people love it and support it to stand up and, and not to allow the media and partisans on either side to continue to stoke these conflicts and these attacks on the Constitution. You know, um, Donald Trump has two weeks left. Uh, there, I mean, the phrase lame duck president there couldn't be a lamer lame duck after last night's uh, defeat in Georgia and today. I think you're correct. Um, there's 
Donald Trump is a fighter at his core, and I think he, he kept fighting probably too long. But let's put aside Donald Trump because he's done. Um, right. And what I fear is that this doesn't just mark the end of the Trump term. And I regard myself as one of Trump's biggest boosters in Canada, which doesn't say mm-hmm. much. There's only two of us, me <laughs> on Red Black. Um, but I fear that this is not just an uh, unflattering ending to what was actually an extraordinary term as a president. I think he was truly a great president in many ways. I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about that this is a starter pistol for terrible things. You know, Donald Trump talked this summer, last summer, about labeling Antifa a terrorist group. He said he would do that. He never did that. I'm worried that the Democrats will now label conservatives terrorist groups, that you will see more censorship of right-wing groups than ever, that Breitbart.com, that Rebel News, that anyone to the right will now be subject to a completely unleashed partisan FBI and deep state like never before. I think that this is, and I, and I don't know who the people were who actually broke in, whether they were Trump supporters or agents provocateurs, I don't know. But it doesn't even matter because the truth will take weeks to come out and the narrative is already set. I think this is absolutely the media's perfect way to negate their violence of the last year with the incredible images we see coming out of Capitol Hill. The violent ones are on the right. We've already told, we've always said the domestic terrorists are on the right. Trump's people are the violent ones. We have to crack down on the Second Amendment like never before. We've got to crack down on right-wing speech like never before. Right, we, like you're going to see an assault on the First and Second Amendment like never before. You're going to see the total rebranding of the right as terrorists, maybe even a new Patriot Act kind of thing. I think you're about to see the absolute well, worst thing. I, I, I think that's possible. I, I, I don't want to get into that mindset. I think that defeat, although something obviously to be avoided and resisted, is liberating in some ways. It allows you to throw out old ideas, to replace old leaders, and to think about how to provide the leadership the country needs. I think that if Democrats try that, there will be a pushback that continues. And and it's going to continue from me and from other people. I don't feel in any way uh, implicated in, in this violence. And again, I can show chapter and verse, you know, date and month and hour when this sort of thing was tolerated and encouraged by the media when the left did it. I think also there are many of us who've, who've managed to uh, advocate for the views of Trump supporters without getting mired in some of this other stuff. And I think we have to have faith that we can do that. We have to have faith that we can stand up for the principles while rejecting the way some people abuse those principles uh, or you know, the way people uh, purport to be advocating for freedom of speech, but in fact are, are carrying out violence, like as happened at the Capitol today. But you know, why would they have gotten that idea? I mean, uh, two years ago, when, when the Democrats didn't want Brett Kavanaugh to be uh, confirmed as Supreme Court justice, they stormed through the Capitol, attacking senators and elevators and so forth. I mean, this is the problem. It, it, the left and the media have tolerated political violence and intimidation for so long. And that's really where, where we need to go. There has to be a reciprocal answer to any attempt um, by the left to do this. So, so I don't know. I, I think I think we're going to be okay. And I, I think I think that partly because I hope it'll be a self-fulfilling prophecy. But I, I choose not to um, 
to accept that as a possibility as 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 something i mean it's it's a risk but i don't think it's it's i wouldn't attach a high degree of probability to it only because i intend it not to happen so i i think really the future is in our hands um and that and that's what every defeat really has to allow you to feel um i i my my bias uh is toward things that give me greater freedom of action so i felt pretty terrible on tuesday night when the results from georgia came in but i woke up wednesday morning feeling pretty good uh, not because I'm happy that Republicans lost, but just because you've got to have a way forward. And I think there are many good ways forward for conservatives and Republicans. And this event today, unfortunately, does make it harder. It does make it harder. But I think that with a possibility of a kind of national reconciliation, perhaps, where there's a bipartisan condemnation of political violence, maybe Democrats will realize it's wrong now that the right did it. I'm not saying that justifies it by any stretch, because many of us have been saying this for a decade, that they should never have tolerated it in the first place. But perhaps Democrats will will come to their senses on some of this stuff. You can't call Antifa peaceful protesters when they attack federal officers in Portland. You can't call uh, rioters on the White House uh, lawn or in Lafayette Square, uh, rather. You can't call them peaceful protesters when they beat up journalists like my colleagues at Breitbart. You can't do that anymore because you see obviously that it's wrong when the other side does it. So maybe it'll, you know, it's kind of a moment for Democrats to look in the mirror as well. I, I'm confident that, that the future is bright. I, I just think that uh, today obviously is, is a rather dark day for America. Well, gee, I sure hope you're right. I see um, a difference between the right and the left. Uh, there's a phrase I've heard on the left, um, diversity of tactics. I don't know if you've ever heard that word. It's, it's a phrase that has a special meaning. It means the left is united and they never criticize each other. Some people are journalists, some people are professors, some people are politicians, some people are fundraisers, some people are violent. It's a diversity of tactic and you will never, and everyone has their role on the left and you never criticize the other people doing their own thing if it's pointing in the same direction. The right is not that way. So the way you've spoken here about completely disowning this and hoping for a, a peaceful way forward, I don't know if not just grassroots or journalistic leftists, but I don't know if Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and AOC and Ilhan Omar have that in them. I think they say, aha, this is our Reichstag fire. We have the cause, we have the motivation, and now we have the means. We will be brutal. We will transform America, and we won't waste a minute. I fear that the magnanimity uh, and the goodwill that you've just expressed, a, a not a sore loser, but a happy go-forward guy on the losing team, will not be met. I think you'll see a sore winner who will be brutal. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, it's all I see right now. Last word to you, Joel. Well, Andrew Breitbart, the founder of our company, believed in being a happy warrior. And he essentially was the backbone of the Republican opposition that emerged after Barack Obama took power with, for a brief time anyway, a supermajority in the Senate. He had complete control of the government. And Andrew was able to find a way forward. And I, I think that, frankly, Breitbart News is going to be uh, the forum in which people discover that way forward again. It's not going to look the same as it did last time. It can't. Uh, there are good reasons 
for that. There are bad, you know, there are some bad things that also uh, have happened that make certain things difficult, like, for example, spending. I mean, the Tea Party was all about cutting spending, and neither party now can ever claim credibility on spending and deficits and so forth. But I think there will be other grounds for a new opposition. I won't call it resistance. I do believe in loyal opposition. I would like to see the new Democratic administration and Congress succeed because I'm an American. I live here. I raise my kids here. I love this country. However, I think they will succeed to the degree that they cast aside their radical policies and ideas and learn what Trump showed is possible uh, for four years up to up to November, really, a very successful president. Um, I, I think if they learn the lessons of the Trump presidency about what works in foreign policy, what works in national security, what works to juice the economy and help the poor, particularly minorities, I mean, I think that's optimistic. I think I, I think I feel optimistic if, if Democrats can learn from that, and I hope they do. Um, however, I do also think they've learned a hard lesson, not from today. I, I, I don't want to justify today or even look like I'm justifying it, but I, I think that uh, the lesson of 2020 and the message the voters sent, particularly Hispanic voters who, who deserted the Democrats in droves on, on November 3rd, the message they sent was they reject political violence. They reject defund the police. They reject the riots. That needs to be heard by the Democratic Party. Today also needs to be heard by Republicans that uh, you cannot continue to encourage this idea. You can believe the election was stolen, but sometimes you just have to accept the result even if you don't like the way it was arrived at. I don't like the way it was arrived at. I don't think that fraud is the full explanation. You know, I've written a whole book about why there were other explanations, such as the changing of the rules midway and the media censorship and the political violence and all of that. I mean, it's all a factor. And I'm, I'm disgusted by it. And I'm very troubled by the fact that the Georgia election basically used the same flawed system that it used in November. But we have to accept that some things in life aren't fair. And we have to find a way forward. And the way forward is not through the barricades around the Capitol. The way forward is through providing an opposition that responds to the needs of the American people. And believe me, if Democrats implement what they've promised to do, they're going to fail. They're just going to fail. Nothing they have ever, uh, nothing they've proposed has ever worked. I mean, it really hasn't. Nothing they've proposed in this past election has ever worked. Um, you know, this idea of expanding Medicare and, and uh, Medicare for all and all the things that the Democrats want. They couldn't even get it done in Vermont. It was too expensive for Vermont, Bernie Sanders' socialist republic. So, I mean, this is just something that, that you know, the, the left may have to learn by trial and error again. I hope not. I hope we don't have to go through yet another series of failed policies, uh, more Iran deal type experiments in foreign policy. Um, you know, I, I think the opposition is stronger and actually does have a good foundation. I think it's divided right now because people are very troubled over the election. And, and I think Trump has some responsibility for that. Uh, right now, I, I, I feel um, very disappointed in, in the president. I think that he really could have avoided this. And I think he could have ended his presidency on a much higher note. I don't know that it would ever have been happy. And I don't know that Democrats would ever have said, you know, this guy actually did a pretty good job. I mean, I think they've just decided to ignore all of his achievements. But I, I think that as you said, he's a fighter. This is who he's always been. As I joked on Twitter the other day, Trump is fighting this election result like a Democrat. This is what Democrats do. Yeah. When Republicans won in Wisconsin, Democrats rejected it and they stormed the Capitol. I mean, Trump used to be a Democrat. He's just doing what Democrats do. But it actually is unacceptable. And as much as I like him and actually uh, as much as I think he's restored the Constitution from uh, where it was and, and, and protected it from the assault that Democrats had been carrying out for eight years plus, on our constitution. I think this 
was a, a mistake. And I don't think Joe Biden has any moral authority to talk about it, but the authority's got to come from somewhere. And might as well come from us. I mean, wh why shouldn't conservatives be the ones to set the agenda? Uh, we, we, can, we can do that by, by making the national interest our interest. I think that's the best way to go. What a pleasure to uh, talk with you, to learn from you as we always do. By the way, I want to remind our viewers that Joel's latest book is called Neither Fair Nor Free, the 2020 U.S. Presidential Hey, as, I, I, I've got another book coming out on Tuesday. I want to tell you already. How do you crank them out? What's your next one called? It's called How Not to Become an S-Hole Country. Really? Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it comes out on Tuesday. It's another ebook. I worked on it over the winter holidays and, you know, another one of those uh, labors of love that just kind of poured out. And basically, you know, I, I spent a lot of time in South Africa. I'm originally from South Africa. I spent a lot of time there in South African parliament, and I had a close-up view of South African politics, and I, I learned a lot that I think is now very relevant uh, amidst, amidst the chaos and the left-wing takeover that looms. So it's called How Not to Be an S-Hole, uh, I spell the word out in the title, How Not to Be an S-Hole Country, Lessons from South Africa. So Wow, you are a fountain. <laughs> I can't even believe it. Well, that's great. I look forward to that one. Joel, thanks very much. Good luck, and uh, I hope you're... Um, calm and hopeful uh, viewpoint um, is not unique. I hope it becomes the norm. I'm too scared to make that prediction right now. Great to see you, my friend. Thanks for spending so much time. Thank you. All right, there you have it. Joel Pollack, Senior Editor-at-Large at Breitbart.com. And I'll say the title of his new book, if he won't, How Not to Become a Shithole Country. Oops, there it is. All right, <laughs> uh, look forward to, look, looking forward to its release. Stay with us more. Do you think I'm being too pessimistic? Do you think I'm being too negative? I think as conservatives, we have to differentiate ourselves from Democrats. It's not just blue team, red team, our team, their team. I think there has to be some moral differences. And being violent and smashing your way into a Capitol building is not the way to do it. I think that uh, it's hypo hypocritical of the left and of the media to suddenly be so appalled by political violence when it's done in the name of Trump, whether or not it was actually Trump activists who did it. But I think we have to condemn it. And I think we have to try and do what Joel suggested, which is to bring back a consensus of nonviolence. The one thing I disagree with Joel on is I just don't think the left wants that consensus because they have all the power now, and I predict they'll do everything to keep it. That's our show for tonight. Until next time, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, you at home, good night. Keep fighting for freedom.